show here on the UFO Paranormal Radio Network. To UFO Undercover, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. I had had enough. Well, you drove out there into the middle of nowhere and had some sort of loud verbal display challenging E.T. in general out oh, in the yeah, middle of nowhere? that's what I was doing. I actually had a uh, pistol in my hand at the time. Um, I was really ticked off. When I was having this fit, I had I was waving the gun in the air, okay, and I had this fit. And at this moment, I said, okay. Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo. Good evening, everyone. I hope everyone's having a great evening, great morning, great afternoon, wherever you are on our beautiful blue planet. Um, I'm Joe Montaldo, host of UFO Undercover. Tonight's guest is going to be Jim Sparks. Before we get started, a couple things. This is going to be a pre-record, so anybody who's catching us tonight, it is Friday night, uh, July 8th. It's uh, about 12.30 in the morning, or 12.30 a.m. You can catch the show. We are going to allow for audience participation in the show this evening. So if you're in the virtual auditorium, or if you have the call-in number, which is 504-273-7379, 
call right in and get involved. But uh, probably about half hour, 45 minutes, and we'll open up the lines. Maybe a little bit sooner. Got to do a little catching up with Jim. I haven't talked to him in a while, see what he's up to. So, Jim, how you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. I'm doing all right. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to keep up with us, you can pop over to um, the iCar site or the Paranormal Radio site. On the right-hand side, you're going to see uh, the keepers. Click on it. It takes you right to the book, right to his main website as well. And I'll actually take you to the site. You can do a perusing around. If you haven't read the book, you should get it. Uh, there's a lot of good information in there tonight. And if you were listening to an earlier interview this evening with Daryl Sims, uh, you'll notice there are some parallels and some of the stuff between Jim Sparks and Daryl Sims. Now, I'm not going to say they're even close to identical because they're not. Uh, but it's like all the contactees or abductees or whatever you want to be called these days. There are some similarities that run concurrent with all of them, at least so far. Um, oh, Jim, first question, man, before we even go anywhere else. How often does E.T. call you by your name? Say that again? Does, have you ever had the extraterrestrials call you by your name? Wow, what a question. Let me ponder on that one a little bit. Take your time. It's, uh, I can't think. Right, right off the top of my head, I can't think off the top. I can't think of a time, really, no. All right. Now, you, you make 362 <laughs> contactees that I have asked this to in less than two months. All of them said no. It's a weird thing right. we just found out. That is yeah. something, man. I know. It's one of them weird things. You can feel free to use it. It's, uh, it's, we're learning a lot, like the blood type studies, but I'm going to get into you with all of that. First off, you still in Aussie land? Yeah, sure am. It's, uh, it's the dead of winter. It's, uh, one, about quarter to two in the afternoon. And actually, it's going to get a little colder, uh, in the next few weeks. That'll really, really be the dead of winter, so. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you know, for me, I love talking to everybody in Australia and New Zealand because uh, it's, it's, it's like time traveling for me. Uh, sorry about that, guys. Uh, it's kind of like time traveling for me. You know, Last time I talked to Suzanne Hansen, uh, we're always talking on different days. I'm always a day behind you. See, like today, me and you are on the same day now because it's, it's July 9th now. But earlier when you called, it was still 8th for me and a 9th year. It's always just weird to me out a little bit. That's it. That's it. Yep, I always yeah. have to reconsider my thinking all the time. No, go ahead, please. Yeah. I know. What, what I was going to say is now, for you, I, I mean, we've talked over the years quite often and, uh, and quite a lot, actually. I think we've got like 12, 10 yeah, 10 or 12 hours of archives where somebody was uh, making a comment about it the other day because I'm getting ready to do sections with the different people who, who I've uh, done archives with numerous over the years so that people can come listen to the progression. The reason I'm bringing this up, ladies and gentlemen, is because I'm a real stickler. You don't tell you this. I expect if I ask you a question in 2000 and I ask you this question again in 2011, I really expect to hear you tell me the same thing. I mean, I'm not talking about research now, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about experiences. I really expect to hear that same thing repeated to me. So far, every time I've asked him a question uh, that I've, I've asked him before, I got the similar response. And now, there's always new stuff going on in these cases, and there's always more stuff involved in these cases. Um, and I know for people, because this is interview 14 in this segment of contactees, and uh, there's been a wealth of information doled out. And I'd just like to, to make the differences for so people understand what it is we're doing and where we're going and, and not to get confused. Now, I'm going to ask you this like I always do. Um, if, if you could make all this go away and stop, would you? 
No. Did you just ask me if I can make all this connections, uh, contact stop? Is that what your question was? If, if, if you could make all of this go away and stop, would you? If you could just make it go out of your life and away, would you do that? I wouldn't trade it for the world. So the answer is absolutely not. Uh, that amazes me, Chris. Well, I, I, you know, what comes to mind, first of all, first, first off, what comes to mind is the fact that I have some insight that I can share with um, how important it is for us to evolve. And, I, you know, as you probably know, most abductees tell you, um, you know, we don't see things the same way anymore. That any, any time any of this touches any of us, even people around us that, that aren't even abducted once they hear some of the information that we have to share and say, uh, things just, you can't look at things the same anymore. You just, you look back at what mankind is, humankind, and you see where we're going wrong. It's clearer to see. And then you see a, a, a path where we can correct it. And most importantly, evolve to join the galactic neighborhood. And it's a wondrous world. So no, I can't see any reason to ever want to turn it back. Now, if you asked me this question the first six years, yeah, because I did everything I could to destroy these things. Um, I wanted to kill them. And I had my chance one time, and I didn't. So yeah, the first six years I would say, yeah, but now, no, there's no way. It's just something I had to go through to, under, to, to, have, them under, to have them understand, have me understand them better and vice versa. But no, I wouldn't. And, you know, most of the people I talk to, most of the contactees I talk to say, you know, now the abductees don't. And something we stumbled across this year, you know, during this special, as a matter of fact, we, we brought on seven U.K. contactees, I called them. Or, no, they're abductees. And they're like, I don't know if you remember, like, the 1970s classic alien abduction. Uh, I mean, this is what it is. And it's a fluke because... All of Europe is more in the contact styles that you and I and other people talk about these days. But this reminds me of something just classically out of like the 1970s. It's, 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 it's almost like it's a control group study or something. And in, in what respect? Well, okay, let's look at it. In France, we've got a big group of contactees slash abductees, but they're contactees. They're openly having contact. They know what's going on. Uh, they're dealing with it progressively. But not in the UK. Yes, and, and these two particular groups we're dealing with, they're pissed. I mean, they're, they're seriously pissed. If they could stop it, they would. If they could snap the little gray's neck, they would in a heartbeat. Um, this reminds me of stuff I used to hear in the, actually in the, in the, in the late seventies, early eighties of, uh, contactees who were just so mad all the time that it was out of control. Um, it's just a big group of them over there. And I, and I don't know why right there on the island, because all of Europe, we're not getting these reports. And we're not really getting these reports out of the United States anymore. And not so much out of anywhere else but there. Um, it just seems like, you know, they're like, uh, I guess, a control group. I don't know what else to call them because they're standing out like a sore thumb. Well, you know, maybe the early stages, early phases for those people out there. You know, I'm just, uh, yeah. So they're going through that rigmarole that we all did in the beginning, or, you know, I know I did, and uh, make sense out of this stuff. Because after all, they're not human, and so they're interacting with human beings, and that contact is difficult. 
you know, it, it's interesting because it, it is hard to get to deal with, to understand with, to come to terms with. Um, over the years, you know, talking to you and others, I, I'm always thinking to myself, you know, is it, do we have one of these syndromes, you know, because we've been beat down and dragged around and had a good cop, bad cop, reward program, punishment program. Did they just finally break us? But then, after talking to you and a few others, you know, I don't think that's what it is. You know, I, I really feel like, I don't feel like you're a broke person. You feel like you're ready to keep going and, and to learn and expand? I am. I am. Yeah. It's, uh, again, you know, it's just an interaction that has uh, specified rules, in a sense, that aren't common to us, socially speaking. And... Uh, once you get accustomed to them, then your eyes open up and you can start absorbing what they have to say and what they're all about. And that's where I am today, and that's where I believe some of the people you're talking about are. And, and, and I agree. Now, oh, I'm thinking about this. Move on California, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. The symposium, the international symposium. I'll be out there... Um, Goes from let's see the let me get the dates right. It ends on the thirty first, and so that's on a Sunday, and then it goes through on the Saturday the thirtieth, and starts on a Friday the twenty ninth. So it'll be from the twenty ninth to the thirty first down in Irvine, California. Yeah, no, the Hyatt Regency going to be there too. Yeah, yeah, the Hyatt Regency, yeah, Hyatt Regency. Oh, nice. I wish I was there. Yeah, so that's going to be. I think that's going to be a good one because we've got some really good speakers. But the theme is pretty cool, which is, um, you know, uh, time travel. Time travel. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so it's, it's, a, it's, you got people who are science minded, you got people who are researchers, you have me who are, uh, as an experiencer, and it's a conglomerate of individuals putting all their, uh, senses together to come up with, uh, what that's all about or try to get a finger on it, figure it out, you know. So my, uh, uh, talk, lecture, whatever whatever you want to call it, it's going to be time travel is a fact. So I'll be out with uh, experiences that seemingly put it together as so. So I think that uh, it's pretty it's going to be a pretty interesting conference. Well, when I heard the theme of time travel, I was kind of like, well, this sounds interesting. Uh, then I was talking with Karen Dole, and she was giving me a rundown on the guests because she was asking if we were going this year. And I was listening to the guest list, and it's a pretty good guest list. And I'm thinking, man, it's going to be a pretty good conference. Uh, so, I, I, but I'll be listening for all of y'all to find it. I'll get reports. <laughs> I'll be calling everybody. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's anyway. Getting back to what I was saying, I'll be calling everybody for reports. I'm hoping that one of the <laughs> hosts will be out there a lot, so they can go around and harass yeah. everybody. One of the nice things about having a station organization, occasionally we get, you know, we get people out there. Now, yeah. Well, go ahead, guys. No, you go. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask you, where do you feel like this is going to take you in the future? Well, there's just many challenges ahead. Uh, I keep reflecting on the human condition, which is pretty stubborn. Uh, it's resistant to change. Uh, it's resistance to change. And, uh, you know, they laid out a roadmap, uh, in my perspective, in my area or in my field, uh, in order for change to take place, you know, and I've been barking the same thing now for the last several years, 
is there has to there has to be um, things have to be brought out to the table freely. And the issue at hand is the people that have the secrets and they know what's going on uh, don't want to come forward because they're in fear of the fact that they can get hurt. And you've heard me say this before, um, the black op people, the top secret people, you know, whatever organizations you want to call them, uh, committed uh, crimes against humanity to keep this stuff secret. And at the same time, they're not just total monsters. They're not at all, actually. Uh, there may be a few individuals there that can be perceived as such. But, um, you know, there's a lot at stake, you know, when you bring things out like this. Uh, uh, there's a uh, defense is uh, centered around the new technologies and the techno technical exchanges. And, and, you know, and bad people get their hands on that stuff, we're all in a lot of trouble. But there's too much, too many good things um, that, that can bring this planet forward and change the face of it like we've never seen it before. This, the energy aspect of it, um, there's the technology to remove um, you know, toxins out of the sea in a matter of months, uh, uh, the, uh, out of the atmosphere, out of the soil, uh, the longevity aspect. Um, you know, I'm in love with the fact that if we could finally evolve, we can stop dying. And those secrets are there. And that's, that's a big key. And I, I like to come out and I bring this stuff forward about not dying because I think it's fascinating and it can be fun. Because if all at once, most of us, if, if all at once the human species didn't pass away anymore, think of everything, think of the changes that would take place. Days, would, months, and years would go by and you'd just be absorbing more and more knowledge all the time. Uh, without uh, the way it is today, passing it on and give your siblings or just get a little bit of information and then by the time they figure it out, they pass away and on and on it goes. So it's fantastic health, it's clarity of mind, uh, technically enhanced, a perspective that we've never had before, a vigor and a zeal for living like you can't imagine, and you live like that moment by moment and you just don't die. You're not relying on any other source. Um, to bring you there, it's, um, it's the fact of science that it can be done. So, again, in their eyes, uh, they say, come up with an amnesty bill. You know, you've heard me talk about this before, Joe, and I'm sure most of your listeners that, that you know, follow me anyway or heard me speak, you know, from experience. Get an amnesty bill out there. Um, particularly in the United States because it's strong. It's, it's powerful enough to keep it intact. And I'm glad it's my country. That's the way I see it, at least. And get an amnesty bill out there where these guys can come forward, whoever it may be, without uh, concerning themselves with being hurt by this whole thing. And, uh, and of course, things are done that were not nice and, and for the last 40 to 60 years, and, uh, you know, criminal charges will be brought. And uh, it's not to be done for spiritual reasons. It's done to be for practical reasons. You're not forgiving and forgetting for spiritual reasons. You're forgiving and forgetting for practical reasons so they have an avenue to bring these things out. So that's always the main thing, the main push. With them. Well, that's a good push. Yeah, well, you know, they're claiming also, I don't claim to embrace, you've heard me say this before, alien culture, and I believe everything you say. I have a healthy skepticism. Uh, but according to them, uh, that um, the deals were made, deals were struck, arrangements were made over a certain aspect of time, uh, technologies were given, and um, we turned around and didn't honor any of it. And then they're getting a bad rap for it. 
So, you know, to put it simply. Well, they do. They do. I try to get these contactees all time to, to at least kind of stand up for themselves, and uh, at least that way, when it comes time for amnesty or starting pushing people for amnesty, they'll they'll get involved. Yeah, because I noticed um, mm-hmm. Stephen that said did the um, what was it called again? The the disclosure day. Um, yeah, disclosure. But, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, the July is disclosure. The my mind, but I know what you're talking about. Well, I seen it the other day, but I haven't talked to him yet. Yet, I was kind of like, "What is this?" It's hard to me because I know we need some kind of amnesty to let people come out and talk about the young. I know that's not enough to prove ET exists. Even the bad part is Obama could come out and get on TV tomorrow and say, "Hey, the Grays probed me," and everybody get chuckling and go on. Um, for some reason, this country here is thick-headed. And I know we're not, I know we're an open-minded country, but when it comes to this particular topic, they seem to be thick-headed because the evidence is raining down out of the sky and they're still stepping over it, stepping around it, or ignoring it. And uh, it's not like the old days when nobody talked about this or it didn't make mainstream. It does make mainstream. People talk about it. I've seen an influx of young people getting involved. And still yet, nobody wants, it's, it's like you can talk about it all you want, there's no, not all that hate anymore when you're talking about it. You can see our mainstream. It's it's acceptable to bring up at work and talking. You know, the chase goes, you chase your hose. It's acceptable, but still, for some reason, it's. I'm listening about this. And maybe, maybe the country has accepted it without disclosure because they don't seem well, to be I, enough interest. Well, that's it's it's kind of like jumping on the bandwagon. It's a momentum that needs to be built. Um, it's a tough thing to do. Um, I uh, tried very hard to put it together, and I came very close at times, um, it, it, needing it face on. Uh, you know, with a, a select group of people who are willing to um, spend the time and money with their limited resources uh, to make this thing come to fruition. And we even got to the point where um, we had a lobbyist ready to go. And everything was out front, and everything was, uh, uh, this was a few years back, but everything was up front, and everything was space on. And, uh, you know, it all came down to the same thing, money. You know, uh, we just, uh, bottom line was we didn't have the money. So the way I see it, um, and the way most of us see it, the lines that I was with, is that it's a collective and I think they see it the same way, too. And it's a collective of people, and you build momentum, and they put their resources and funds in. It's credible people who know credible people, who know more credible people, who know people with power, who, who make changes, and you put this law into effect, that there's an avenue for these uh, individuals or groups or whatever to be able to come out without being afraid. But I think, too, uh, I'm seeing that it probably has to be done uh, or can be done in a very silent way instead of making public headlines. This is a thing we're exploring, um, which is you get a bill in there without making a lot of noise, and it's uh, it's almost like a silly factor. You remember, you may remember this, um, to give you an example of what I mean. The government official response is that these things don't exist, and if, if you say they do, you're either insane or you're a liar or you're making up a story or whatever the case may be. 
but yet there was a law in effect for many years that said that if uh, you came upon a UFO or an unidentified flying object and you you got so many feet within it, near close to it, so many feet close to it, uh, then you were subject to, uh, what is it, uh, uh, you're in jail and um, uh, what is it, a $10,000 fine. And if you make contact with the occupants, uh, that it was even more severe penalties. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. That was, uh, yeah. I don't know, using the 12th. It was too long. Go ahead. Well, I was just thinking, I used to know the NASA law, the, the actual law. Um, I can't think of it right offhand, but that's like Article 12, 14, and it ran from, I think, 1964 to like 1998 or 96, somewhere right around there, and it was illegal. You couldn't make contact. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it definitely was. So it was, a, it, was a, it was federal. It wasn't, you know, kidding around. It wasn't a local state thing. And yet, you know, the same feds will come around and say, no, these things don't exist. And why do they have the law? The point is, uh, it was there, and it was kind of a silent law, and it existed. So on the same, uh, by the way, they did lift that, that. That law no longer exists, is my understanding. So there was enough barking on it that they, they, they took it away. But going back to the point of this amnesty bill, it's, if you put it in as silently as they did, in a sense, this is just something we're pondering. You put it in silently, the avenue is there, and the whole world, is, you know, the whole government and the whole country and everybody else isn't there to balk at it. It exists. So here you have this law that's not well known, and it protects these people. So I think the key, according to them, this is how I've been advised. I mean, all the years that I've had these experiences, they still point to this same thing, which is create this bill or create this law. I think first on the national level, coming from us, because that's the only way I really know to go, maybe, maybe globally as it goes, where these people can come forward. And they can do it uh, any way they want without getting hurt. And then we can move along with the thing. Well, that would be nice. Uh, that would be really nice because, uh, frankly, we need to do something. It's, it's at a point now that you've got enough people that want to come forward that can't. And then, and then I, I don't know how much. Yeah. You don't know how much what? Well, I don't know how much. How much is it? Well, I forgot that. Yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the actually the the the, the words garbled here. So, I, I, would you repeat that? Okay, there we go. Let me get this better. How's that? Is that better? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't know how to squat. That's what. Part of me. I just got to remember not to be moving my phone. I'm so used to wearing a headset when I'm talking that I forget sometimes that I'm using a phone right now. So I got to yeah. keep it where it belongs. Sorry, but that's my phone. That's <laughs> just one of them things. That's that's um, thing, no doubt. I was thinking that you, there's got to be a way to force some of this. You know, recently I'm not going to mention names, but recently over the last three months. I've met some people that work for Boeing. I've met some people that work for NASA, um, and they're not—they're not—they you know, have high clearances, and, and they know quite a bit. And my clearance is still high, so at least they're willing to talk to me. It's nothing that'll ever get made public or anything, but it's interesting to hear what they're working on, what's up. Um, you know, I, you know, there's a guy I know that works for Boeing. He's a nice guy. Uh, he's been with them 26, 27 years. He was going through a list of uh, what I would consider to be conventional, conventional but unconventional aircraft. And he said they're very advanced. And he said he hasn't seen anything in there 
that he wouldn't consider to be natural progression. So I asked him bluntly. I said, well, dude, are there projects you're not perfect to? And he's like, well, yeah. I said, how many? And he said, more than I can count. I said, okay. And then after that, he's walking around scratching his head like, oh, wow. <laughs> it was almost like the light bulb popped onto his head. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Was, you know, the whole time he's walking around ignorant, and, and when I said that, he was just like, okay, well, damn. <laughs> this is one of them things. That... Now, since you've been in Aussie land, have, have, you, had, have you been having contact? It's, it's really quiet here. Um, I'm of the notion, you know, in my travels, that they're kind of like uh, hotbed places, you know. They really like to yeah. show up where... Uh, it's, 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 there's, there's a lot of the dense population, and uh, so it's been, uh, it's been, it's been kind of a um, uh, reprieve in a sense for me. Uh, it's not really happening that way here at all, as it happens in the states. And uh, even um, uh, you know, before I moved out to Nevada, I was in Florida, and you know, it was pretty frequent with me. But uh, when I moved out to Nevada, it like doubled. There's something about that state, you know, um, just outside of Las Vegas and just the state itself. You know, I guess you could say Area 51. There's a lot of goings on over there, and there's a lot of action. I mean, I know that these beings, um, you know, have different campaigns and agendas. And um, you know, they've got the agenda of collecting seeds. They got the agenda of collecting life forms. They got the agenda of preserving life. They got the agenda of um, uh, can go on with uh, what they're doing to um, the human beings that, because uh, I've eyewitnessed this, um, that have actually were never born or raised on the earth. You know, they collected the seeds and they were born and raised in another world. And they're just like us, they're human beings, and they bring them down, this is going to sound like Star Trek, but I know it's to be so, they bring them down to good old Mother Earth for a time period to acquaint them uh, with their past and their roots and where they come from. And it's fascinating to see these people. They're just like you and me, but they're astute, they're intelligent, but they don't have any of the fears, they don't have any of the paranoia. The only, the only um, uh, where they're cautious and careful is they, uh, they allow them to, to go into a, a group settings. I mean, they can even be in a, in a restaurant. They can be in, in a tourist attraction, just like tourists. And, you know, places like that, in my experience, just get more action. So um, it's pretty neat what goes on behind the scenes and that, that I've uh, that has been revealed to me over the recent years. And that's you know where relative to where my contact is. Well, it's, I think uh, when you reach out that way. Pardon me. I'm uh, saying usually when you reach a certain level with them, what we call them keepers, but whatever anybody wants to call them, once you reach a certain level, they tend to hurt you a lot more. They let you learn a lot more. They let you see a lot more. It's almost, in some ways, they're wanting to reassure that, hey, look, we're going to let you see this. You're not crazy. Yeah, you are learning stuff, and we are going to help you out with stuff, but, yes, we do expect something in return. Well, I mean, I, I always know, like, just to cite an example, you know, they expect something in return. You got it. We got, we got to come forward. We got to do it ourselves. We can't rely on anything. We can't rely on them fully. We've got to bring ourselves to a point where we get the, it's not quite an equilibrium, but it's uh, where it's, uh, it's a meeting point where it works. 
and, and you can't be royally dependent on them doing these things for us. A lot of us cry out and say, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? They've been through that routine with the human race. They've been around for tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of years, maybe even longer, and they know our nature. So we have to bring ourselves to a point first. But just to cite an example, um, uh, I was I was in a uh, see where was I? I was in a major hotel, and it was in Las Vegas. And I was exiting the hotel, and I know when um, either time travelers or uh, non-human intelligent beings are in the vicinity, and they want to make contact. Uh, my heart starts to race. My uh, my spine stiffens. I get uh, a sensation. I get a, a extreme discomfort, but I'm not afraid of this feeling because it, it's, 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 I've had to deal with this for years, so it's just part of the, uh, the practice of what it's like when they're around or to let you know. Anyway, as I was making my exit out of this place and walking through the crowd, I got the telepathic message from one of them, which in this case was a, an earth person, a time traveler, but probably about... Um, four or five hundred years from the future, saying that he would be meeting with me outside. And it's pretty exciting. I mean, it's really exciting. So um, as I started walking towards the, uh, the, the exit of this hotel, where the valet would be, where you park your car at valet, um, I got this extreme sense of health and vigor like I never had in my life. As I took each breath, I, and, and exhaled each breath, I was going, yes. Like it was the most wonderful feeling that there possibly could be to be alive. And each second was this euphoric understanding of yourself and, and you're feeling your body like you never did before, and it's like a, almost like a Superman feeling. As I kept heading towards the uh, ballet, my mind started clearing and the cobwebs went away and my thoughts were super inflated or super enhanced like they had never been before. And I had a greater grasp of my surroundings. I had a grasp of what was going on in the world. I understood a lot more. And all this was happening within just a few seconds. And when I came out, uh, when I came out to the back door and there he was to greet me, he finally said, uh, how are you doing? Just like that with that same exuberance. And I said, I'm fine. And Joe and listeners, I understood more than I ever did in my life. And he also shared with me, this is only going to last for a few seconds because this is where we'll go when we evolve. And so uh, I stepped out in the back. This was in Nevada. And he says to me, he says, you know, he goes, and he's talking. He's telepathic and he's verbal. So we become, we become fully telepathic, by the way. And that's even in the near future, within a few hundred years, fully telepathic. And or we can be verbal, whatever we want to be. So he was both back and forth. He says, you know, I like it here in this part of the country. He says, we could sure use some, uh, he says, we could sure use more rain. You could sh we could sure use more rain here. And when he said that, in my mind, I could see all the weather patterns in Nevada. I could see them around the country. I could see them uh halfway around the globe, my mind was technically enhanced, and I could see what it would take to change weather patterns to bring more weather to rain. And then as I looked at it, 
I went, no, that won't work because we have to take from this place, take from that place, and then there'd be rain to try, and it would ruin everything. And I verbalized it and goes, that's right. And uh, our, our interaction was short. Uh, that few of these that I haven't really come public with until lately, uh, practice hardly at all. And uh, so I'm getting more comfortable with uh, where I'm at with this thing and where people are, so it's, uh, it's food. It's going to be a problem. I wait a few years before I talk about the, the, the meat. And it's an excitement in, in me to keep you going. And anyway, I knew that in a few seconds I was going to lose this ability. And I wasn't sad about it because I knew I was just gifted at that time. And then when he said it's time to go or i got to go, I said, yes, I know. I got in my car, and as I pulled out to the uh, intersection to turn, it started uh, the narrow, go away, go away, that my sphere of thought started to become more tunnel vision as we are. And by the time I started going down the road, it went away. But the point is, if we can, if we can inevitably cross that line, it's just at that stage, the way you'll feel, the way you see things, the way you understand things, your health, your mind, and you're not concerned about all the trivial stuff that we are, uh, it's pretty fantastic. It is, actually. Yeah, yeah, and I want us to go there. Who wouldn't? I'd like to see all of us there, because even the silliest would have a better understanding to see why they're silly. Well, yeah, it would have it. It's a shame the way it fades out like that. Because, you know, I've heard people talk about other stuff that they're being showed or, or they're, they're being not to understand. Maybe, maybe I, I kind of like a reward. I hate to say it any other way, but it, it's kind of like a reward. And um, it, but it's always fleeting. It's, uh, there's always a sense of it left behind, if, if that makes any <laughs> sense to you. Um, yeah. To the context you said, listen, that, that may make sense to y'all, but to everybody else that's listening, you're probably going, these guys have lost their mind. Um, but it is, it's like a residue is left behind. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. Oh, you mean is there a residual? Yeah, well, it's left like behind? when the memory's fading, it seems to um, leave like a residue behind, like a shadow of what the actual experience was. Well, you mean in retrospect to the one I just shared or in general? Yeah, or, but, uh, I mean, experience, experience is sort of like those because uh, I've heard I've heard other people kind of describe what you were just describing, and they always tell me it's very fleeting. Uh, it, it's it's they can feel it and it's intense when they can feel it, but when it's gone, it's gone. But the, but there's enough left behind that they know it happened, and they know it was good. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does make sense. And interestingly enough, what I understood, and you know, I like to share this, was the fact that I knew it would be gone, and I wasn't sad about it because I knew we weren't ready yet. We're not there yet. It's not something just a few of us get to have. It's something that all of us have to have. And it's something that we all need in order to progress, in order to evolve, in order to be part of what they are. But we are and they are. Uh, I don't ever see it as we join forces in a sense to the point where we're intermingling all the time because actually you're going to find that the human race is special and that once we evolve past the barbarism the bar that we are, the barbarians that we can be, I should say, um, we're going to look at ourselves um, as separatists, yet part of that union, 
but we're going to enjoy more what we are, and we're going to be less concerned with what they are because we're going to know everything about them because they are what they are, which is uh, classified as not human beings. And so you'll be more interested in who we are. At least that's the way I'm seeing it now. So all that all that will be gone, and then it's just better times ahead. We just got to cross yeah, that line. We got to get this stuff out, oh, and they're hoarding it for different reasons. Yeah. It's it's it, like I said. It's getting it's just getting a hold to them and make them pay attention. That's why I call them sheeples because they 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 just get off. You know, see a little shiny thing and they and they go wandering off. Like, you know, and then you shake the little thing and it and they come wandering back. And of course, and I just yeah, and all there's another thing. It's you know we're emotional beings and we can't help it that we're human. It's a good thing and it could be a bad thing. And we get excited about things and then we tend to forget about it once the excitement goes. So sometimes we don't stay focused long enough. Whereas uh, um, I'm, I'm not being critical here. I'm just saying this is the stages that from experience where I see they're at and where we're at. And uh, they have an incredible ability. Now I'm talking about us in the future, an incredible ability to stay focused until the job is done. Relentlessly stay focused and stay disciplined until the job is done. And if you forgo the fact that uh, forgo dying, then there's all the time in the world, and it makes interaction with each other a whole whole new meaning, a whole different uh, philosophy of relationships, interaction, seeing things, having time to do all the things that you wish you could do and exploring those things to the fullest and having the ability in the mind to take all that data, conceptualize it, and not just the way normally but the way we don't do now and keep it there. And then the mind just knows more and more and more of what to do and it's just a better way. Um, another example, so Jim Sparks is coming out with some things that he doesn't talk about normally because I, my philosophy has always been, and I've stuck to it pretty good, is that whenever a lot of these things take place, um, I, there, there, there's no urgency for me to, to bring it forward right away because I like for the trail to run cold. Because when you say, hey, I was at this place and this happened and uh, people might want to come there to check it out themselves and, you know, all these kind of things. So they started uh, hitting me up with all these questions, which I don't mind, but I'm still exploring these areas myself and I'm getting, trying to understand it. And I like to understand as much as I can before I speak publicly about these things. And um, another exciting um, uh, interaction. So when people say, gee, Jim, what's, what's the latest in abductions or what's the latest in contacts? You know, these are the things I'm going to start to talk about now. Things, uh, another perfect example was a gentleman, again, um, a male, a uh, time traveler. Um, sounded fully American to me, so I, I'm, I'm presuming he, is, he spoke the English that we did. We do, I mean. And um, he, uh, when we came across each other, uh, there's a, there's a, anyway, <laughs> it's a bit unsettling, but it was so cool. Um, he was, he was gaming me, and I knew he was gaming me, so I gamed him back, and he said to me, what's your name? And, uh, I made up some name, you know, and he goes, that's not your name. No, I don't know this guy, he's a stranger, the spirit of mine. He says, no, he says, your name's Jim Sparks. And then we both chuckled. And, um, he said to me, uh, he's going to show me, the technical enhancements 
of the technology of the future that is that we'll possess. And so he said to me, he says, get me a piece of paper and two pens. And uh, now kind of see this, Joe, and everybody that's listening, like what is, he, what is this guy, you know, uh, from the future, a few hundred years from now, what, what does he want a piece of paper and two pens? And uh, I, uh, I go, and anyway, I round up a piece of paper and two pens and a sheet of paper and two pens, and I give it to him. And he takes his, uh, his, right, his, his right hand, his left hand, at the top of the paper holding the pen, and he takes his right hand at the bottom of the paper holding the pen. And so his right hand is, if you can see a sheet of paper on the table, is to the far right of the corner of the page, and his left hand is at the top. And he proceeds, both with his left and right hand, uh, proceeded, I mean, both with his, uh, proceeds with both his left and right hand to write my name in cursive writing forward with the left hand and backwards with the right hand at the same time. And he's doing this rhythmatically. And then when, he, when it reaches both sides of the paper, he writes the name upside down and then reverse on both sides at the same time. And then he turns to me, and he's not even looking at the sheet, and started quoting tax code from the late 1800s to the present. Picture this one. What does that say to you? Well, I mean, first off, just that it can go back and forth at the same time says quite a bit. Yeah, upside down and reverse, yeah, and then to be down. able to have a, yeah. So, it's pretty exciting. It's like you. Yeah. Yeah. Serious. Brain, brain capacity, yeah. 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 There's a lot of that stuff been getting reported lately. Just the weird stuff been going on to, I don't, I don't like calling it end time stuff because it's not end time stuff. It's it's more like um, preparation for end time. Stuff. I don't know what else to call it. It's been just weird, but it really has been. There's been a lot of stuff like that. So I mean, it yeah. just popped out of nowhere, or you just mind well, your own you know, business and poof. Well, let's go into something that's going to sound like sci-fi, but I know it's not sci-fi. That's cool. It's uh, an alien, so everything's sci-fi. Yeah, but they, you know, they've got the ability, uh, the technical, scientific ability to enter in and out of other dimensions. Uh, now, I was just talking. Uh, you know, I think you know this over all the years. If uh, you know, a lot of us sense it or know it for a fact. They've got the ability to be invisible. They have the ability to. Um, Manipulate matter um, so they can pop in, in a sense. Um, particularly when you're talking about traveling time and, and, and their grasp of how uh, it can tour space and time, you know, to make it work for them. And uh, so I could, you, me, anyone could be anywhere, and you'll get. It's always telepathic at first. I'm going to. May I? In, in this case, I was sitting down somewhere. I was eating, and. Um, and in this case, uh, when he came into the room, he asked my permission. Now, look, you've got to see this. So here you are in this room. You don't know this person from Adam's house cat. And you're sitting in the room, and you get this uh, telepathic message, a uh, voice in your mind saying, um, may I join you? And I turn my head, and I see a guy coming in the door that I don't know. 
and I'm sitting there at my own private place, and I telepathically respond, say, sure, it's okay. And then this person just walks in and walks in between the tables and comes up there and sits down. You know, that's not a normal thing, right? You're not, when you're eating dinner, no one's just going to come to where you're sitting and you, you see the scene. Yeah, so that's, like, you know, excuse me. <laughs> would have been, would excuse me, who the hell are you? Why are you sitting there? <laughs> exactly. And then, then he, um, he, he proceeded uh, to, um, he was a bit jovial. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to enter a territory that I was going to hesitate to talk about, but I guess I don't mind it so much because he was a bit clumsy, too. Hmm. Um, he, uh, when we sat there, he, uh, I was, uh, I had a beer. I had, I was drinking a beer. And, uh, he said to me, how much of the beers? Well, they had a special going on at this place I was eating at. They were a dollar that night. And, uh, and I, I told him telepathically, it's a dollar. I said, so go up to the uh, go up to the bar there and in, uh, in the restaurant, and you know, get yourself a beer. So he he gets up, and I can see what he's doing, and he pulls out uh, what looks like a billfold, and when he opened it, it was like a file cabinet in this thing, and he was thumbing through it, and these these pages were flipping, and he stopped. And then he reaches in and he pulls out a dollar bill from our period, about the size, he had it folded uh, tight, about the size of uh, like 25% of the normal size of the bill, or maybe uh, anywhere from 125 to 25% off the top of my head. And, he, and it's folded tight and, and, he, and he neatly unwraps it. And then he takes it and he puts it in front of his face and he looks at the, the back of it and he looks at the front of it. And in my opinion, I think he was checking the date. <laughs> and, of course, uh, he hands the lady uh, the, uh, this dollar bill uh, uh, behind the counter to purchase his beer. And what was really unique, too, I mean, these are special moments, uh, Joe, and yeah. whoever's listening <laughs> And uh, what was really unique was when he was slipping through the thing that was like a file cabinet, there were multitude, a multitude, many multitude colored bills in there. So God knows what time period, God knows what. And you can see all the different colors of these notes, you know. But he knew exactly where to stop to pull out the, uh, the dollar. And, but, it was all, it, it was like almost out in the open completely with it, even though she really couldn't see what he was doing, but I could see what he was doing from my point, my point of view. And, uh, and then he proceeds to, to purchase, make his purchase, and he sat down, and uh, as I recall, I don't even think he drank much of it anyway. I just took a few sips. I think he just did it to do it. And, uh, and then he went on, you know, he went on with that game, <clears throat> and, uh, that I just went over just to show where we're gonna go, and, and it was like, alright, nice to see you, nice to see you. I knew he would go, and I, you know, I know so much that, because I've learned over the years that when you're in these situations, don't ask questions. Pay attention. Yeah, exactly. Just relish every second until they're gone. You have to. Yeah. You know, when you have an encounter like one of these, and, I, and I've talked to other people about this, you know, they've been places, or all of a sudden they'll be somewhere, and they're slightly, they have just slightly out of time and pace, and there's someone there, but they don't think it's an alien. 
but seems to be having some kind of weird telepathic or empathic interaction with. And uh, they experience a lot in that moment, but it's really confusing sometimes because there seems to be a um, like an, an emotional overlay or something. I don't, I don't know if it's them or, or the contactee, but it seems to be there. So I'm not, I'm not even sure what that is, to be honest with you. It's a strange little thing we've been running across. Oh, um, what color are your eyes, man? You heard up. You heard up. What color are your eyes? You know, I'm kind of a funny person when it comes to certain aspects of things. I just couldn't really pay attention. I didn't see anything that was bizarre. That's the best way I can answer it. I can't, uh, well, I can tell you this. I don't remember blue eyes and I don't remember green eyes. So, uh, take it from there. Well, no, I meant your eyes. I meant yours. Oh, what color? My eyes? Yeah. My eyes? My eyes yeah, are, yours. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty plain. They're brown. Okay. Okay. Well, see, it's for the blood type study, uh, thing and the eye chart. Uh, all the contactees that wear like this. 2,800 or 3,000 responded now. And uh, we, we're checking blood types and eye colors. And a couple other things. How interesting. It's, it's, it's been... What, what, what type, if you mind, I ask, because I know some people don't like to tell me. But they don't like to say on the air. Um, oh, I don't mind. Know. I just don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Jim, it's not uh, you know, thing. You need to know that. You know, I can remember things that exactly details, and at times certain things I'm funny about, I don't have the memory of a peep. <laughs> so I, I know I, I know I had that data at one time, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, I hope you don't need to know. If, if you don't get sick, you don't go to the hospital, or if you're not in the military, most of the time you don't need to know. It, it, it's kind of interesting. But no, there's been a specific uh, group of bloods. Uh, it's it, all all types of blood get abducted, and all eye colors get abducted. But what we freaked out on is the bloods that are the rarest, and the eye color that's the rarest. That's what's being abducted the most. Uh, so is that a fact? Wow. Fact, yeah. and, and now we got the data to back it up. Before, I used to talk about it because we always knew the, the O negatives and the green eyes were high in contactees. And since O negatives are only 7% of the world population, they shouldn't make up 40% of the contactees. Altogether, the, the, o, the negative, the RH negatives, only make up 15% of the world's population, but make up 63% of the contactees. That's wild, man. This what, wild. What, wait, what made up 3%? No, 63%. Oh, it was the, the, uh, the RH negative. Yeah, it makes up 63% of the contactees, but only makes up 15% of the world's population have RH negative. So it oh, is wild. Wow, man. That's, that's, that's wow. And so far, 50% of everybody who's responded has green or hazel eyes, which green eyes are a mutation. So is O-negative blind. I mean, so is Rh-negative. Man, that's, that's boisterous. Yeah, so it stands out. What it means, yeah. yeah, well, that's anybody's guess. <laughs> at least we know it's there. You know? yeah. I think a man at the other day, a lady wrote in to me, and she said, I have O-positive and brown eyes. What, you said I'm not a contactee? I said, no. I said, you're a contactee. You just have brown eyes and O-positive blood. I said, we just happened to see some weird stuff going on in the blood thing. And I found it coincidental that the two highest are both mutations. You know, the green eyes is a mutation of brown and, uh, brown and blue that came on scene about 20,000 years ago. 
the uh, Rh negative came on the scene about 25,000 years ago. And what's really strange about this, if you pick the one blood, the one that gets abducted the most, which is O negative, that's the universal donor. That's the only blood that everybody can take. That's it. And O negative people can only take O negative. It's the purest blood. Yeah. Too. It's 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 hmm. weird. It's like like they're taking this group, or they're taking all these O negatives and all these negatives, I should say, taking that DNA, mixing it with different parts of the positive, and then remixing it back with extraterrestrial. And then here's one for you. You're gonna love this. You know the three A, B, and O, right? And yeah, uh, it's again. A, B, what? A, B, A, B, and O. That's the three blood types, okay, or the three mages. So you've got three alien types, and it's looking more and more and more like each one of them blood types may be represented by one of those extraterrestrials. That could be so. The data is really good. Well, I've seen them screen people before that way to see... uh, the genetic, uh, you know, you walk past this, uh, which is kind of new with the blood, but I can see, but it's, it's a technical uh, gadget machine tester where you, you walk in front of this thing that looks akin to a mirror, but it reflects, uh, in a technical sense what your, uh, your genetically, what race of, uh, extraterrestrials you're a part of. And I've seen them line people up and have them walk by. And they check to see what it is, make a note of it, and the next person goes, and the next person goes, and the next person goes. So uh, it's substantial. It's like you know, they're coming down, check out the species, and divide it up to see what's who was part of what. You know, well, it's been interesting. I gotta say, I'll have to catch you before you get you get out to California. Maybe I'll Skype you up one day and uh, bring you up to speed on all this because there's a lot of stuff that we found, and and these are all yeah. holes, by the way. Oh, and then yeah. we've got the gray questionnaire, which is up to about 500 now. The reptilian, which is, I think is up to about 75. And the humans, which is about 40. You know, I hate to admit when I'm wrong, because you know, I just hate it. But I always said that it was a third, a third, and a third, for like a decade and a half, because all the data suggested there was one-third gray, one-third reptilian, one-third human abducting. Oh, no. I was wrong. God, I hate to say that. Yeah. It's about 65% gray, and they split the other half, the other two aliens. Uh, I didn't realize that. I thought it was a whole different thing. So, anyway, never mind. Yeah, what do you know? What do you know? I mean, that that conjures up memories for me because, without doubt, the high high percentages of gray. That's that's what it is to me, too. But, you know, we're going to take a break right quick. Uh, go ahead and plug the site right quick. Tell them where to get the book at one more time. Jim, did I lose you? Yeah, I, yeah, you did. I heard, okay. I heard you say a bit. You said something about a break, and then I lost you from there. Oh, that was great. Okay. Anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can find, go go to the iCar site, click on Keepers. It takes you straight to Jim. It's Jim Sparks hyphen, no, Jim hyphen Sparks.com. Uh, that's his website. You can go right to it. But anyway, you can go right to the site, click on the Keeper's image, and take it. If you're on Facebook or MySpace, it was posted there earlier. Click on the link. It's really easy, really easy to find. 
Um, you can also go check out all the data we were just talking about just now. When we come back for the second hour, we will open up both the phone lines and the virtual auditorium for questions. Uh, everybody knows how to use the virtual auditorium for the phone lines. It's 504-273-7379. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I want everyone to please stay tuned, and we'll see you all in about eight minutes. You're listening to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. Display challenging ET in general out in the middle of nowhere. That's what I was doing. I actually had a uh, pistol in my hand at the time. Um, I was really ticked off when I was having this fit. I had I was waving the gun in the air. Okay, and I had this fit. And at this moment, I said, "Okay." Folks around. 
my car. Don't you know? Investigating, you asshole. Out for a drive with a gal one night. They stopped to check out the reporting site. When an alien lit right there on the ground, commenced to throw in his weight around. Now, old sex gun didn't take too kindly to that kind of thing. Especially without Vaseline or anything like you know. Seriously. Well, six gun looked that critter right in the eye and said, Any last wish before you die? Yells. Reached for his gun, quick as a twitch, and said, Fill your claw, you son of a bitch. Now a legend spread across the land about this pistol-waving man. But if you're from space or from Earth below, you don't give no lip to six-gun Joe. Welcome to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo. Okay. Now, good evening and welcome back to UFO on the cover, everyone. Sorry about that. We had a little glitch when we came back, but we'll edit that out since this is a pre-record anyway, so we can just... One of the nice things about pre-records, we can edit out the boo-boos. Uh, mm-hmm. The live ones, not so much. Oh, and for the people who are listening to us live tonight, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Uh, y'all can, you know, if you want to put your hand up, you want to make a call in, it's uh, 504-273-7379. Uh, I'm also on Skype, but if you're not on my list, I don't think it'll let you call. Yeah, so. But you can, like I said, 504-273-7379. Joe, uh, hold on a second. I right, guess. So, yeah, y'all can always catch it that way. You, know, you can call in on either one of those venues, or you can text me like normal, or you can email me at, what are we using tonight? You at cox.net. Uh, you can pop us up on there as well. A couple of things while I'm thinking about this, guys. You know, I think when Joe and I were talking at the break, uh, we're looking to do a conference down here in, uh, in the beginning of November, the end of October, beginning of November, uh, three or four days. So we're going to be looking for volunteers. Uh, we're going to be looking for donations for help and stuff. I'm not talking too much money, which that would be nice too. But, you know, stuff like banners, things like that, you know, um, all kind of stuff. Uh, but it is something we're looking to try to get out um, probably, uh, well, we're trying to get it out for the last week of October, the first week of November. So, and, and it's going to be a paranormal ufology conference. It'll be themed out over three days. Uh, what you're going to probably end up with is one day paranormal, one day um, 
ufology, and one mixed day. We had talked about doing a conspiracy day, but mm, I'm not thinking. I'm not thinking. I don't. I don't feel the love there. I don't think I feel the love there. Where'd that go? Oh, you lost. I'll try again. I'm doing something. We're going to get back. <laughs> now, when we were talking earlier in the show, I was thinking about this too. You know, when part two of the blood type study comes out, which we're not going to probably let out until I believe, uh, well, it's like a week, two weeks. I think it's two weeks. Yeah. No, three weeks. The first week of August. Um, that's going to go on the same page as the blood type study that's there. It's just going to be, just going to be lower down on the, uh, on the list towards the bottom of the page. Uh, you'll find it there. Or maybe I'll flip it. I'll flip it. I'll put the new study up at the top and, and we'll lower the old study to the bottom of the page. And I got a call in November because I haven't talked to her recently. But as soon as I do, I will let y'all know what's going on with the reptilian study. And I know the personality study's up. And once the reptilian's done, uh, we're going to do a phone call to her, Mr. George Norrie, and coast to coast and ask him what's going to talk about. That should work right there. Okay. Oh, Jim, did you hear that? We do the reverse. I'm back. All right. I thought I lost you for a second there. That was weird. No, I'm back here. Yeah. All right. Wait yeah. You've got this line there. Yeah. Uh, oh, we'll wait there. Now. Are you up? Oh, great. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to ask you. Are you So it's the last week of uh, July, right? You're going to be in California? Yeah, well, the last three days. Of July. Okay. Now, the conference will be a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So that'll be the um, 28th, wait, the 31st, the 30th, and the 29th. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Okay, okay Friday, yeah. Saturday, and Sunday. 29, 30, and 31, yeah. Right. What, what day are you speaking on? Uh, I believe, for me, that's going to be on Saturday. Yeah, I think it's yeah Saturday and Sunday. Um, I'm going to be doing uh, Sunday's going to be a um, uh, there's going to be four of us and the talk's going to be preparing for contact, and then uh, my talk will come up on Saturday the thirtieth. What's it on? Uh, time travel is a fact. The theme will be time travel. I'll be if I'm not there. I'll uh, be looking for the CD. I know Move On usually gets the CDs out pretty fast. Yeah, they're pretty good about that. Sometimes I even get one before I go. <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, yeah. That's time traveling. <laughs> <laughs> Let me zip forward and zip back. Here, we made it. We made it, then we came back. Okay. All right, there we go. The, the whole time travel thing always freaks me out because I have no doubt about time travel. And I understand that the Greys especially have a really good grasp on how to travel through time. I mean, ICAR, after all, is the one that broke the gain time and even time thing. So we have a good grasp of it. But still, when you really sit down and think about it, it still freaks me out. And then it's always that thing, okay, somebody finds out you do something. So they travel back in time and kill your great-grandpa so you're not born. But, of course, if you're not born... You've never done them anything for them to go back in time to kill your great grandpa. It's a vicious little cycle. I guess that's why they call it a parallel. Well, 
Yeah, you know, I, I picked something up and it, uh, it's kind of more, I, it leans on a theory and then it leans on um, uh, from what I, I witnessed, but it seems as though time is extremely resilient and it, it doesn't want to change and it's, it's more or less like the, uh, uh, the reverse of the butterfly effect. In essence, if you can see, uh, picture a river. Say it's a, it's a powerful river. Say it's 100 feet deep. Say it's, uh, let's say it's about a football field. No, that's too big. Let's say it's about 60, 70 yards wide and it's running along at about uh, 15, 20 knots. And just look at time that's streaming that way in the universe. And I, I, it, takes a, it takes a tremendous amount of energy to change the smallest thing in the future, is what I, I, and which is contrary and contradictory to the butterfly effect. The butterfly effect says one little small thing can change up the, whole, the whole picture. But to add expound on this, let's say that time is a river, and you walked up to the edge of that river as a person, you, Joe, or anyone that's listening, and you, you put your finger at the edge of the river. That water is going to rush up to your finger. The change takes place where your finger is, and then the water will wrap back around your finger and continue the way it was going. And I see time that way. And I think it's kind of, it's, again, it's contrary to a small thing affecting uh, a larger span of space and time. It's the reverse. It takes a lot of energy to change the smallest thing. And I think that uh, the universe in itself is resilient that way. It's resistant to change. And I think that's how we can travel ahead or back in time because we can get ahead of rid of our time. But the beauty part of it is it's hard to mess things up in the future. And you can picture this. Well, no, no, I was listening when you were talking. I was thinking about a couple of different things that happened to me over the years. And it does seem like it has a way of um, untangling itself or, or straightening out its own messes. I don't know how to explain it, but it's, it, it seems to work that way. Or maybe it reluctantly seems to work that way. I'm not sure. But it's a very strange phenomenon. Because, you know, we, on these cases we get today where we'll get somebody that's picked up, you know, easy case. Couple leaves hotel, okay, eleven o'clock. So you want to videotape. They stop at the convenience store. Shift change. People see in there. They drive to the beach. They walk out of the beach. Eleven ten. They get back in their car. They drive back. Like, now, when they get in their car, like actually about a day later, they find a ticket. It says ten ten. Actually, it says ten o five. So they call the cop and ask the cop. Is this clock wrong? Because remember, they were both seen at 11 o'clock in two different locations. They got them on videotape at the hotel with the car in the parking lot. Uh, well, I mean, the car was in the, in, in the parking lot at 10 o'clock. At 11 o'clock, they actually got them getting in the car and leaving. Now, but the cop has them on videotape at 10.05. Right. But yet, that car is on the camera at the hotel at 10.05. So, so now say that again. Say, say this again. Say this again. Okay. I'm, uh, okay. I'm, yeah, that's, that makes sense. I know. 
All right. I'll, I'll go through the whole thing to make it easier. Okay. They're at the hotel. They're going out to the beach, okay? So about five minutes to 11, they say, we're going to go out to the beach. They walk out. They walk past the girl at the desk, okay? They, but now, before that, they were they had come back at the hotel at 6 and didn't leave till 11. So the whole time, from 6 to 11, they were in that hotel. And the cameras have them going to the room, and the car is in the parking lot. So they leave at 11. They stop at the convenience store. They get, a, they get a drink. They talk to the clerks. It's shift change. Both clerks remember even see them. We went back and asked them the next day. Both clerks remember seeing them there at 11.05 or about 11.03, something like that. Uh, and they drive out to the beach somewhere between 11.05 and 11.10 and go out and, and have some weird experiences on the beach. They come back. They get in their car. They, the next day, they find this ticket. The ticket is, says that they were illegally parked. At 10.05. Okay, now 10.05, that car was in that hotel parking lot. So when we contacted the officer and asked him about it, he said no. He, he said, you can check with the dispatch. I called it in at 10.05. He said, the videotape shows it at 10.05. So I asked him, because we were in Florida, I said, are we like out of phase on time? You know, like, was it? Was like thinking we were in Central Time when we were Eastern Time, but we were in Pensacola, so it was regular Central Time. So the cop has that car on that road on that beach at ten o five, but the hotel has it on the camera in the parking lot at ten o five. How the hell is that possible? They were time traveling. That's the only way it's it could gotta, be. It had to be time traveling. It's got to be. But that and a few other experiences had, was one of the things that let us know that it seemed like the grays were taking people out of time, keeping them out of time, keeping them for quite a long time out of time. And then when they put them back, it was usually like 15 minutes to an hour before they took them. It always freaks me out. Well, that happened to me live. Um, they put me back two to three minutes before they took me, yeah, and I saw myself. Yeah, see, other people have said that. Other people said they've seen themselves, uh, and they were told I, uh, not to get, not to interact. I was, uh, I was laying on the sofa. This happened one time and one time only. That's why I'm so adamant. Or certain that time travel exists other than, you know, so many different things that show me that. But this one situation, uh, I was lay, laying sideways on the sofa with my hand on, uh, uh, with my head resting on my hand, my elbow to the sofa. You can picture this watching television. And uh, I got up, walked through the living room, and we had an island uh, kitchen with a wet bar, and um, there was an aquarium on the uh, on the counter. And I would stop to look at the fish, and then I walked around the uh, the wet bar and into the kitchen. I opened. There's a reason I'm going into this detail. And I opened up the refrigerator door. The light came on like normal. I, everything's normal. I'm not thinking anything's wrong. And I. Uh, 
grabbed a snack and I ate it with the refrigerator door open and I drank some soda and I shut the door and then I came back around and I laid back down on the sofa. And then I got abducted. I got pulled. And I was gone a couple of hours. And this wasn't an accident because it was to show that if these things exist. And when they brought me back, I found myself in that position again on the uh, sofa. And in front of me was me, and I could see me standing up as if I just left the sofa, and my heart was pounding through my chest. And I watched me go over to the uh, uh, counter where the aquarium was, look at the fish, walk around that island kitchen thing, that island counter, go into the bathroom, the I mean the uh, refrigerator, uh, the light came on. I saw myself eating the food. And then I, w then I started getting extremely nervous. I laid there silent because I wondered to myself, what is me going to think when me sees me? <laughs> and <laughs> as I came around, the other me, the past me, came around, it faced the so walking towards the sofa to go back, lay back down again. It, it looked right through me. Me didn't see me, and there, which, which is kind of an interesting phenomena there. So that other kind person didn't see this other kind person, and and as I walked up to the sofa, I got double scared because I thought I was going to lay on myself. <laughs> and as he got within a foot or two of me, he just faded away and disappeared. So and that, that one time that, that, with the other one. Yeah, it, it's weird because it, it, you know when we figured this out because we couldn't. What happened was Jim around ninety eight, ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety six. We just started having hardly no missing time cases. We we're getting like one. We went from like getting a hundred or two a year to like two. I was like, what's going on here? And when we really started digging and really started getting in with our contactees that we were working with back at the time, which was probably about 50 to 80 people, um, we started to realize that they were having these new kind of experiences. And it got me to thinking, and Lynn and I have talked about this a great deal, and, and, and you actually got me thinking about this too a while back too. Um, the amount of time we're actually gone versus how much memory we have and um, and how much time is 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 missed or gained in your real life, or which one do you consider your real life? Because recently we found something out that kind of bothers me. We know contactees sometimes get taken three, four, five, six months at a time, probably longer. But we're just going to say, for the sake of argument, five, six months at a time, pretty consistently at that. Um, It just kind of, it, it's like they, they take them, they're doing whatever they're doing, and they bring them back, and they all have a lot of recall, all of them do, uh, which I think is really interesting. I mean, they don't have recall of the entire time they're gone. You know, I'm, there's still a lot of stuff they block out, but they have an enormous amount of recall. And uh, so it reminds me a lot of it about you, but then, then I'm like, are they just taking you out for six months and flipping you all the way back and putting you back in your life where they took you out, or are they creating some kind of host, downloading your consciousness into it, and putting the host there while they got you off somewhere? 
Well, uh, if I understand you correctly, let's see if this correlates, um, that uh, when they take these people, let's say uh, hypothetically they take these people at uh, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning on a, on a particular day, and they're gone for three or six months, like you said, when they bring them back, what time? When do they bring them back? Do they bring them back the same period they took them, or is it, or is the same time elapsing while they're gone? No, it seems like there's no time elapsing. They're either they're either taking them all the way, taking them and letting them, you know, for how long they're taking them, and then bringing them back that just before the moment that they took them, or okay, or there may be in some cases. Replacing them with a with a, it's not like a clone. It's like a host body they use, where they can download the consciousness to it. And of course, they just terminate the host. I mean, the, uh, the host body once it's no longer useful. That really bothers the hell out of me. Yeah, that's a, that's a scary notion. <laughs> yeah, that bothers. Me. Yeah. What happens if they they get the wrong one? They get confused. And well, Greg has to be a little ditzy sometimes. I don't know, those kind of things can get out of there. I know, what did you say? I was going to say, for you overall, when you look across all this, because you've had a lot of experiences, there's a lot of stuff you remember. You know there's some good, there's some bad, and a lot of in between. But when you look at it, for yourself, your life, your soul, your essence, whatever it is that makes you Jim Sparks, has it been a positive thing? Uh, yeah, in the latter years it has. Um, you know, the first six years to me was uh, extremely negative. Yeah. yeah, I mean, changed my life, changed the course of my life. And, um, you know, just a lot of bad things because of that. And then um, uh, the next six to, six to eight years afterwards, um, it was an eye-opening experience where I started was, uh, started seeing what they were up to, at least that aspect of an agenda that they were up to, and understand it. And I felt a lot better. And in the last um, six, seven years, uh, it's been um, much more positive because it's on uh, it's equal footing. You know, uh, they rarely do they rip me out of my house in the middle of the night and suck me up to space and find myself in a room where they extract semen and do all these medical uh, procedures. and did that uh, long time ago. Yeah, beat me up, you know, it beat me up. It was traumatizing. And uh, so now it's just this interaction that, uh, you know, I, I, they, and their daily practices, you know, I, if they feel like revealing themselves, then I get to see a little piece of what's going on. And, you know, I find that to be very exciting and, and much more positive and omniscient, you know. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it's I see it as positive. But well, I, I do for mine. I know most kind of people, you know, pretty much feel like positive. But I see Jason's got his hand. I'm going to take that question. And we've got a couple other questions in the queue, and i got some of these over here I want to get out, too, because we've got about 30, 40 minutes left. Yeah, so... Okay, so I'm going to drop the mic, and you're going to be live as soon as you pick it up.
Jason. Uh, I didn't get any audio from you, man. Yeah, none of the medias were moving or nothing. You're quiet. Let me know if you get it fixed, and I'll just put your hand back up. I was looking at a question that came in from Jessica. Where, Jessica, where are you from? Where are you from? Oh, Germany. Hey. Oh, it's it's warm over there. <laughs> she wanted she she wanted to know. How, let me just read a question. She said, uh, "Mr. Jensen, I would like to ask you why should we believe what you are saying? Um, also, why is it that? Whoops. Sorry, I dropped the page there, guys." Uh, she also wants to know why, why is it, oh, that the aliens chose you? What makes you special? Well, you got a rude little thing there. Go ahead, John. <laughs> it's okay, actually. I expect this, and I don't blame, I respect people for what they think, one way or the other. I've always said all along, if you find what I have to say hard to swallow, it wasn't too long ago that I was that way myself. And if you can use what I have to share, well, all the better. But, uh, uh, you know, to answer the, uh, the question, why should you believe it, uh, anybody that's ever followed my story and experiences knows that that's, that's, how, that's my take on how I come across. I don't expect anybody to believe anything. I just, uh, I, the only, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm like a scientist, even though I don't have any degrees in science, and I take a, a scientific perspective on all of this as much as humanly possible. And in a sense, I'm like a journalist, and I'm not a journalism. And I only relate back to what I've experienced and what I've surmised out of it. And I fully anticipate um, uh, there's those who will wholeheartedly say, yeah, I think he's right on and he's not you know, hiding anything. He doesn't have any uh, hidden agendas. He's coming straight forward. And I know there's going to be those that are skeptical or they won't accept it at all. So I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. Uh, well, yeah, you, you, know, can't, uh, you can't make everybody believe. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, and I think I'm really fine with that, with that comment. And, um, and I don't think I'm special at all. I think to have address the other part of it, um, you know, I, I, I'm of average intelligence, maybe slightly more than average. I would like to think so. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't have some monster ego that goes around and say, oh, gee, I'm special, because it took them quite a few years, because I used to scream and yell in those first six years that were negative, why me, why me, why me? I hated their guts. You know, I could never get any answers out of them in those first six years. And then so finally... They exposed to me that, that they tracked um, uh, your, your family history, genetic, genetic tracking. And they, they've followed my family line where they've shown to me uh, over 2,000 years. And, uh, and so periodically um, in their travels, uh, for whatever reason that they track this particular family line and other abducting family lines, it, it's not known um, to me why well, that hasn't been revealed. But they scientifically categorize family trees, and they just periodically will hit different generations and make contact with those people. And I just happen to be one of them now. And so, and nothing else was ever revealed for me to say I was special. The only thing I can think is that, um, you know, personally too, that might add to it is that um, I have a boldness that isn't afraid of rejection. And uh, it may come from my experience in marketing where, you know, you hear a lot of no's before you 
yes, so to speak, and you, you can't have your feelings hurt every time someone doesn't want what you got to offer kind of thing. And uh, so um, that boldness uh, makes me come out and say these things and not feel rejected or, or bothered by anything that negative that may come out of, out of uh, the listeners or people who are listening to it. So um, I think her questions are very valid, and I completely understand them. And again, it's genetic for me. That's the way it was explained to me. And, uh, and I don't expect anything when I talk on this subject. Uh, in the past, I used to be much more reserved about coming across because I wanted to maintain my credibility and, and try not to, to, to come out with too much information. So, well, over time, all I can do is to say what I've experienced without hiding, you know, or feeling weird about it. So, well, you got to say what you know. I mean, that's just how it yeah. is. And, and, and the context that you really do. I mean, I know it's harder sometimes because people look at you like, what the hell did he just say? And I really do understand it. <laughs> Uh, I say stuff myself, and people are like, what, what did he just say? Oh, my God. But we've got a few more questions. Uh, let's see. Got, well, we're going to get Linda's in a second. Um, Micah uh, wrote in from California. She wants to know, what type of technical things have you learned from the aliens? Which aliens pick you up the most? And uh, have you got any type of spiritual enlightenment from them at all? Well, they're addressing the, the, spirit, the spiritual aspect. First, um, is that they have a an inert, if that's the proper word, concern over the environment of our planet. And they see this whole they see this host planet as something extremely special, and they're deeply, deeply concerned with uh, its future, and uh, you know what humankind is doing to her. Uh, they're concerned about all these aspects. And then one might turn around and say, well, gee, you know, if they have all this high-tech stuff, how come they don't just freely um, remove toxins from the atmosphere and remove the uh, toxins from the, uh, the Earth's soils and the Earth's waters and take care of us that way? Well, they did make arrangements in the past, 40, 60 years, with people um, at the time government, and, and from the best of my knowledge, in that day, it was, it was solely in the United States, I believe. I think it's spread out to other countries definitely now, no doubt. It's like a union or a pact amongst Western countries in the black op thing when it comes to this stuff, because I've seen all uh, different cultures involved face-to-face uh, in abductions where I've seen human beings, I've seen the black op people, but anyway... Um, they made arrangements to, to give these technologies freely as long as we stop nuclear weapons, we stop uh, polluting, we stop um, uh, biological weapons, and nuclear weapons is a big thing with them. They see as a, a, a huge part of our possible environmental design, demise. And... Um, they uh, are concerned about that. They, you know, for years, they never told me what they referred to themselves as. And in the spiritual context, uh, I wouldn't have been able to accept it if they would have said to me, uh, keepers, where we, we call ourselves the keepers. I might have looked at it like a joke or like they were jerks or what do you think this is, a zoo, you know, and things of that nature. 
this is a zoo and you're a zookeeper, you know, when you put yourself up on a, on a you know, uh, idolize yourself. And uh, over the years I've learned that they have a deep concern with the planet. At the same time, they want us to come forward and meet them in the middle so the technologies that were gifted to us by these people who hold this stuff in secret, who've made weapons out of this stuff, who've heard people out of this stuff, who've made money out of this stuff. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right, Joe? You want oh, to yeah. say that? Oh, yeah, I know what you're And, um, you know, get that garbage out of the way and, and get these things out on the table so we can use them. So spiritually speaking, there's a deep concern within that way. What was the second part of the question? I was listening to you talk about that. Hold on, let me go find it. Well, you know what? Now, we got we got lots of other questions. Give me a favor, whoever wrote that, send us send us back because we got other questions in the queue, so we're going to take them. Because I only got Jim for a little while longer, so we're going to get some other ones. I see, Jason's got his hand back up. I think he's got his mic fixed. We're going to hand have a shot again. Uh, Jason, come on, ask your question. You're live on there. All right. Is everything kind of working here now? All right, good, thank you. All right, Jim, um, well, first off, I'm Jason, Jason Wilson. I'm the uh, Texas State Director for ICAR, worked with Joe for a long time, and uh, actually I interviewed you a few years back here on the network on my show, The Underbridge Universe, and it's good to talk to you again, have the opportunity to ask you another question. Now, um, all right, let me frame this question properly. It might be considered kind of a loaded one, but all right. You've had your experiences. I've had my experiences, and I know that we have both, you know, between us, have probably talked to at least literally hundreds of other people that have had their, that have had, well, that ET has chosen to contact for whatever reasons. Now, um, I think that most people have had fairly consistent experiences. Now, granted, a lot of the particular details may be slightly different, but the general gist of the experiences, you know, pretty much point towards the same general direction. I mean, there's definite continuity between these experiences. But um, I'd like to ask your opinion on how you feel about certain aspects of the quote-unquote ufology community out there. I mean, here are the contactees, like us and others, who... Oh, are sort of a loose collective that have had our experiences. And then you have to contrast that with a lot of the other experiences that you hear in the ufology community. I mean, a lot of the... Po I don't want to, you know, name any particular names, but I guess I'll be nice and try to say that a lot of the experiences that you hear popularized are certainly not along the lines of what most contactees are out there experiencing. I mean, um, what I'm talking about here is, like, a lot of the people who claim to have their experiences with channel beams or they were hit by a beam of light or something like that, and then they get this information that's completely and totally contrary to what a lot of the contactees are experiencing. And also, what a lot of these, you know, quote-unquote encounters seem to entail is that these people get some kind of information that's entirely different than you know, what everybody else is having, that go on to explain away what everything else is, what everybody's experiencing. You know, things along the lines of, you know, I channeled the Ashtar Command or the Otisians or something like that, and they try to 
Well, I think you get what I'm talking about here, Jim. I mean, there's like a huge disconnect between a lot of the, you know, big published stories out there and what everybody else is experiencing. And I'd just like to know how you feel about that, because I think a lot of these ridiculous-sounding experiences can... Well, I'll just put it this way. When somebody comes out and says, you're a contact, I'm a contactee, I've had ET contact, I mean, the first thing a lot of these people here think about is, you know, something that they've heard on Coast to Coast that sounds completely and totally ridiculous. It's nothing like what we've experienced, you know. Well, you know, just addressing the channeling issue, I, I've learned this, okay? Let's, so, so let's, if you could hold what I have to say at value, just presume that, it, that, that this is coming from experience and it's real and what you want to do with it is up to you and I, one way or the other. But I know that through 24 years of contact, and that's a long time, that Jim Sparks is conscious and has total recall of better than 95% of every uh, interaction. So it's always face-to-face. -face. It's always in my face. Nothing is kept from me when I'm there, and nothing's taken away from me when I come back. So that's the uniqueness there, so I can share these things. And what I'm, where, I'm, where I'm going to, going with this, is the fact that there are other dimensions. They absolutely 100% exist. They take up the same space. They take up the same time as you and I are sitting in, that all of us are sitting in now. Now, why we can't see them or feel them or touch them, there's all kinds of theories there. There's a, it's a different vibration or it's a different form of matter or it's in a different slot or it's real tiny or it's real, whatever the case may be, they do exist. And what I learned over the years is that uh, this will lead to the, the channeling aspect of it. What I've learned over the years is that in the, they use the, uh, extraterrestrials, non-human intelligent beings with high technology, use these dimensions to travel with, with, to go from point A to point B, particularly locally. Uh, they use these dimensions to hide in and or, you know, to, to keep their, what they, their presence secret, even though they're occupying the same space and time. And what I what I found astounding over the years is that bringing in, in, in these abduction experiences that they they walk you through or they bring you through technically dimensions to go from point A, point A to point B, and I see in these travels from time to time entities that that live or coexist with them in these dimensions. They're not space travelers. They're not from, uh, you know, the other side of the galaxy or the universe. There are entities that, that are they're diverse in every way imaginable. I mean, it's mind-boggling. I don't touch on this too much because I haven't quite put a finger on all of it myself. Some of them are extremely nasty. They're not friendly. They're nasty. They're evil-like, in a sense. Uh, they're, uh, they're liars, and then there's some of them that seem benign and honest and truthful, and, and it, you have a, a assortment of all these entities out there that I choose not to study because it's just too extreme from one to the other. Now, I'm theorizing. When I come that part, I know to be so, because this is what I've seen, with, uh, not with my own eyes, with my flesh and blood there, but 
And when it comes to the channeling, I, I theorize that people are tapping into different types of these entities that aren't exactly coming across straightforward, but they're experts at sounding that way. And so, or it's their, it's their viewpoint, or whatever the case may be, and some of the stuff can be very ridiculous. Some of the stuff can be right on the money. And so I think that's why it conjures up all assortments of different stories and different aspects, and I'm Xandar from Who, and I'm this from that, and we're the 12 of this, and, you know, all these things that I'm not being critical about, but we're hearing these things, blah, 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 blah. And you just got to be careful as to who you tap into. So I realize that's the case there. Um, the other aspect of your question, which was um, there's there's different way to answer the other aspect of why 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 for some it's it's this enlightening experience and for others it's this traumatizing experience and for others it's this and that and cockamamie this and then this is right and this is wrong is that. I know I've seen this with my own eyes, and I can only talk from my perspective here. And I can't say this is the whole picture. I can only talk from the perspective that I have and my view when I'm there and what my face and eyes see and I experience as a person. But people, when I watch the mass abductions and group abductions and I observe the going going on, the going on, uh, anyway, weird technology issues, the going on, <laughs> that... Uh, they take the memory from these people before they go back, and they leave them with very little. Sometimes they leave them with a lot more than very little. And a lot of people don't handle it well when they're on board or when they're in an abduction scenario. Uh, they can't handle it, or they don't handle it, or they panic, or they go through these different scenes. And so you get it conjures up all different kinds of things to fill the gaps. And I'm not saying these people aren't right, or they're not wrong, or they're right, or they're wrong, or they're making up, or they're not making up, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm coming across one way, who's coming across another way. But to put it simply, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff is taken away, and, and it's hard for them to put it together, and they come out with different things. And so you've got a combination of things that are in this invisible world that are it's just insane. It's insane. And, I mean, there's just entities. They're, they're, they're diversified. There's all different types. There's all kinds of stuff out there. They're not necessarily working with us. And so the extraterrestrial, the non-human intelligent beings for, quote, unquote, you know, the greys, and there's different species of greys, have a vested interest in this planet. Um, there's a, some sort of a, um, I don't know, I, I like a dual ownership kind of thing. I don't know if that's the right verbiage I want to use, but there's a vested interest in this planet, and oh, yeah. they come across in a completely different way. I hope that helps. Pardon me? I didn't hear that. No, I was just saying they definitely have a vested interest in this, and it definitely seems to be more than... You know, there's an argument we have in an organization. If, if we weren't sentient when the aliens came here, whether we were an ape-like species or something else, and the human aliens did like everybody says and made us slaves, and the reptilians interbred with them and gave us that spark that made us become conscious and self-aware. And the greys later on added to it to give us our, our intellect and, and to move forward. Well, technically, we're a created species. Do we have any rights? Is it our planet? I mean, is it their planet or is it our planet? When it comes right down to it, they wanted to wipe us off of it. We couldn't stop them. 
I've busted their chops for many years over that, and I'm still not quite thrilled about it. You know, I don't even claim to embrace alien culture and take it wholeheartedly and say, let's live like they do. I want to live like we do, but I want us to be involved and, and enhance all the great good things. But, um, you know, that's, an, that's, an, that's a stressful issue for me because I don't like the idea because they've come across several times more than once that they have manipulated uh, evolving, uh, or I don't even know, these ape-like creatures, which I've, I've seen many, many, well, I've, I've got to see what they look like because they've brought back uh, moving uh, pictures, so to speak, almost like a film of how they found this place and what, what, what we look like and behave like to a certain degree before they genetically manipulated us to be human. And that's the aspect that I have and still have a hard time swallowing because I don't like to think, because it's me personally, I don't want to think that, gee, you guys, you're, you're, you're claiming you created us. They're not coming across like God, but no. and they're coming across that, that they, they keep it very scientific. But so if you keep things with these guys at a scientific level and keep your emotions away from it, you're not going to hear everything you want to hear, and you're not going to see everything you want to see, and it's not easy to swallow. But um, they claim that, that, that their hands have a play in bringing us where we are. And, uh, you know... <laughs> What can I say? I mean, if if you look at all of our history, you'll find the Sumerians talk about it, the Egyptians talk about it, the Aborigines talk about it, all the Mesoamerican tribes talk about it, the Native American tribes talk about it. Uh, There's even stories in Europe. So, I mean, we've known. It's just, it's like we got ignorant. Uh, It seems like the first 5,000 or 10,000 years, there was a much more open society. Uh, they seem to move more freely amongst us. There did seem to be some alien technologies being used on the planet. But then somewhere around the time of modern religion, we became stupid. Uh, we reverted. Um, at least now they admit to it. They say the Middle Ages cost us, you know, the, the Inquisitions and all the lovely stuff that religion did there for about 500 years. They said it probably set us back two to five thousand years technologically, um, because we were we because we were evolving so fast, and there were great strides even made in. There was even great men, men, but they could never achieve their yeah. goals because look at Nurse Dallas. He would have been hung or burned, or and most of the good scientists, you know, and all of them, and they were always borderline walking on the edge. That's one of them things. Well, you know, you got, you know, spiritualism and science have always been, in the past, you know, three, five hundred years, three, five hundred years behind science. I mean, you know, if you said the world, you know, I mean, I'm just rehashing what you said, but, you know, if you said the world was round instead of flat, they put you in a dungeon or they executed you or tortured you. And there's always been that gap. And see, they're, they're so far evolved that they've already addressed these issues and then came to a um, solution, and then they live it, and they may be thousands of years ahead, and some of these things to us are like, whoa, man, that's way out of line with my spiritualism. And, well, you're looking at beings that uh, have been through it. Uh, And, uh, you know, some of these things are tough. Um, 
I, I surmised, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, they got worker beans. You know, what are the, how do you classify a worker bean? Something that appears to be, um, is it, does it have a soul? You know, the little three foot ones that run around doing all the tasks? You know, I gotta wonder, you know, I know they created them, but, you know, where do they stand in, in the, the whole spectrum of spirituality? Well, you know and what's then, you interesting know, about that? We think there's two types of the little short grace. Over the last two decades, we've been collecting some data that seems to be that one of the three-foot grays are, are created and may even be partly uh, mechanical. Well, not mechanical. Maybe a, maybe a cyborg might be a better way of describing But you can't tell from the outside. And they're empathic and telepathic, which I find interesting. But there's, there's three-foot grays that seem to be organic. They even seem to have, I want to say, emotions, just not like ours. They're not as intense as ours. Um, they, they just, they, they have them. Cause, you know, I've heard people describe like, um, they feel like they're being treated like a pet by some of these three-foot grace because they see them so often and they see their family lines so often, they kind of think they're like pets, which I found interesting when I heard that. So it looks like there's two types there. Don't know for sure. Checking it out. Could be way wrong. Wouldn't be the first time I'd have to say I was wrong. Which, uh, it, it is interesting. We have quite a bit of data on it now. So it does look like there's two different two different types of three-foot grace, uh, which still kind of weirds me. And then there seems to be a five- to six-foot range and a seven, around a seven-footer. And then there seems to be like a leader. I want to call it a queen, but I don't have nothing to base that on. They're like nine foot. So it, it's, it's, it's almost like there's a hierarchy based on height. It weirds me out. And I know that's not what it is, but it weirds me out. Because there seems to be a, you know, the higher, the, the taller the bean and, and the grays, uh, the more intelligent and the higher the rank they are, which I guess they must do it in a caste system. Well, I do have to agree with you on that aspect of uh, rank and file. And again, only what I've seen that uh, the expand the uh, intelligence expanding outward to, to understand more than what meets the eye seems to dominate the uh, the ones that are have more of a narrow band of thinking. And it's not like they're uh, in any kind of an argumentative uh, situation. Uh, it's like the uh, the supervisor grades. Uh, when when the workers were working me in the early years, and uh, and I got out of control, they didn't have the, the out of control meaning that I went berserko because I never cooperated with anything they were doing. I screamed, yelled, and if any time I could get myself free, I would have torn them to pieces. And uh, when when I got in that state of just rage, total rage, just unending, they couldn't control it. And uh, then a supervisory being would come in who had mental powers <coughs> that were much superseded theirs, and they moved out of the way. And then uh, they would he would subdue me by his thought. I always use he, she, it, whatever. He, I just use the male aspect. Um, Personality seem to be male or female. I don't mean genitalia wise, but I mean when they're telepathic communication or empathic, there does seem to be 
a male, female. I don't know how to describe it, but it does. One feels female, one feels male. Uh, it's it's weird. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think there's a there's a feminine feminine and a masculine aspect of the way it comes across inside you. And uh, but they um, their ability, the rank and file seems to come in with the mental capacity, the intellectual, and then to be able to expand it outward and control things. Now, whether that's um, structured by uh, how it's structured, is it structured because it's a natural thing that they have? But they they seem to live well together. You know, it doesn't seem to be an argument, an argument situation, argumentative. I should say scenarios. Uh, it, it works well for them, anyway. You know, we got about five <laughs> minutes left, and I know um, Linda wanted to know where do you see Jim in the future? Um, in all of this, I guess that's what she's meaning about where you are today in all of the ufology and alien stuff. In general, where do, where do you think you're going to be in the future? Well, you know, I've got two campaigns that. Uh, or that I'm going forward, that I'm going forward with, and that you know at times they go idle because you know life takes up my my time like anybody else. Yeah, but, I know that. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to see uh, uh, the two things that I was so to so to speak mission to help accomplished, which is one is to. Uh, to uh, bring forward the amnesty bill uh, with all my efforts and energy and tie that together with the right people uh, because in their eyes there's two things that they want that the two messages that I have that are the majors are to, uh, to get the amnesty bill so these things can roll out when these people feel ready to do it and the second part of it is, is to create an organization that um, cares for the planet. I mean, I already chose a name for it. Uh, it's called Your Earth. Um, I see myself as being the chairperson of that organization. And as it, uh, as it grows, its goals would be, at first, um, to preserve rainforest land. They see the rainforest as something extremely critical. Um, they see it as the heart, the lungs, and the internal organs of the planet. Um, you know, uh, we've created enough damage around here to sever the arms and the legs, but the body, could, a torso can still live, so to speak, and we're in the torso aspect once we start hitting the internal organs of uh, Mother Nature, which is the trees and the water, the seas. But they're just, they're just putting the, the rainforest on the forefront for me. That's what I'm supposed to be doing if I choose to do it. And um, because they see that as a, the Earth's way of cleansing and uh, renewing herself. It's the lungs. It's how she refreshes and renews herself when we're constantly attacking that stuff. But it would be a global hands-on project. That's what your Earth would be about. And it would be, a, in a sense, the way for us to meet in the middle before we meet them. If there's a global hands-on project, to actually preserve and then regenerate and renew uh, what uh, we took from Mother Nature in that aspect, uh, then we have a united front on a global basis, which then can involve government backup from all different Western worlds, which is kind of not nice when people hear that, but it's a unity there. So here, while we're bringing forward a way to preserve our planet, 
then information is coming out through the amnesty bill, and these technologies are coming out that meet us in the middle because the technology it does exist in the hands of human beings. We don't we don't need it from the aliens at this point to fix this place to get the free energy that's there, the non-polluting energy to get the stuff to take the toxins out. All these things need in the middle. So I see myself, and I would like to see myself uh, heading off your Earth and pulling all the resources together and then relinquishing my seat as chairman to those who are, would be better-minded for the job, whatever it takes to get it done. I don't have an ego here. And that I said, at first, I would have to handle it that way, but then just relinquish it. And the okay. biggest amnesty If we get help, send us anything. You know, you know we can always post. we got lots of people all over the place now. Uh, it's getting kind of insane, um, but hey, these people are paying attention to talking. Say, like, oh man, we done, we done hit two hours on the mark. We done twenty minutes over. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's you know what? Uh, we just hit two hours. Talk. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, it was time travel, <laughs> time displacement. <laughs> two hours for you is easy. It's it, it's a, it, it's an easy one. You don't want to talk a can of it. Oh, yeah, okay, 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 I'm losing my mind. Y'all don't pay no attention to me, I lost it. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, my time, guys. Jim's all fresh <laughs> and spry, I'm about to go. Yeah, okay, where's the bed? <laughs> Jim, you were great, man, you did a fantastic job. Uh, give them the website, tell them where they're going to find you. One more time, remind them where you're going to be. Oh, yeah, you know what, uh, you know, you could do me a favor and do yourself a favor. Mm-hmm. If you can get around to going on Jim hyphen or Jim dash Sparks, so it's J-I-M, and then there's the hyphen, uh, sparks.com, and, uh, you know, pick up my latest uh, version of the Keepers, because it'll, it, it'll help to, you know, I, I hope that it'll enlighten you, and it's supportive of what I'm doing, and if you can bring yourself over to that website and pick up a copy, and the next time you hear me speaking, uh, you can draw your own conclusions from my experiences and you can see me better and you can see why I say what I say because I put myself in you in my work as I wrote it and you'll be able to follow it in a way that no one else can without first hand experiencing these things as I did and that's as I wrote it so if you come on board with that I think you'll really like it a lot Guys, I need to get out of there because uh, the book's good. I, I read it uh, well when it first came out, but uh, you need to check it out, guys. There's a lot of good information in there. And I tell you, for the people who are listening tonight, or who's going to listen to the show when it originally airs, um, if you say that again, Joe. Oh, I was going to say yeah. for the people for the people who are uh, going to listen to the show when it, when it airs originally on a Wednesday night, which regular time Wednesday night. If you're skeptical, because I know everybody, a lot of people who listen to this show are not believers or, or listening for whatever reasons they're listening, but they don't really think this is real. So I'll tell you, do yourself a favor. Take the book. For the people who know about this, read it as fact. For the people I'm talking about right now, pick it up and read it as a good sci-fi novel. Any way it goes, at least partly way through the book, you're going to be going, what the hell? What the hell? And I would bet you money that you end up writing to it. But anyway, on that note, we've got to get out of here. Like I said, it's about 3 in the morning this time, and, and uh, Jim's got stuff he's got to be doing. Jim, great job, man, as usual. 
fantastic. Hope to catch y'all out in California. If not, everybody else, get out there and go see him in California. It's a big state, 40 million people. Yeah, hey, I, I hope to see you or anybody, anybody listening in California, Joe. I really hope to see you there, too, and I just want you to know it's a privilege to, to be on your show again. And I, it's an honor. Uh, right, thank you. You're always a great guest. I'm going to get Linda to get back in touch with you. Well, actually, if you when you're in the States, I might catch you while you're at the conference because uh, we're going to be doing panels with all these uh, these 20 shows we're doing right here, these 20 contactees. And uh, we're thinking about, well, I'll tell you later about which which group we were thinking about putting you in. We'll talk about that after a while. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to get out of here. For the people who hang out with us, I think there's about 170,000 people online with us tonight. So I want to tell all y'all thank you for hanging out. I know it's early, early in the morning. Unless you happen to be in Australia in the afternoon, you know, that's where you're on the world. But again, thanks everyone. Until next week, guys, have some fun, smile. Oh, and remember this Wednesday, Caris Brown Malloy will be on. She's going to be, uh, ICAR's new Pennsylvania State Director. She's a contactee and she'll be discussing, uh, our latest new book. Have a good evening, you guys. See y'all next week.